I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Richard Waters, the FT's West Coast editor in San Francisco. To judge by recent devastating hacks of US government personnel records and Sony's movie studios, the battle over cybersecurity has become a very one-sided affair. Cyber insecurity, in fact, would be a better description. That's the title of an FT series that runs all this week. I'm joined by two of the FT's lead writers for this series, Hannah Kushler, with me in San Francisco, and Cara Scannell, who's in New York. Cara. Hannah, nice to have you. Hi, great to be with you. Cara, let's let's start with you. Banks have been a massive target for the hackers recently. Is there any chance they can turn the tables? Well, I think banks are trying to get on the front foot of this attack, um, which they have been inundated. And, you know, some say, you know, they get thousands of attempts every day. So what they're trying to do is hire the brains to come in and analyze intelligence and share information among themselves within the financial sector, as well as beef up their technology by creating segregated networks, moving to virtual desktops, trying to get things as far away from the edge as possible so that they can put in more blocks and hurdles and mazes to keep their cyber criminals at least having to work harder, if not at bay. Any, any sign or any evidence that they're actually having any success yet, particularly for the, the ones who've spent more money and spent more time on this? I think it's hard to know for sure if, they're see- if we're seeing any success. We're, we're definitely seeing less of the big breaches since J.P. Morgan's. We haven't seen another major one. But banks are not required to publicly disclose that they've been breached unless it's considered, quote, material or really important to um, shareholders or their customers. So I think, you know, we haven't seen a monster breach, but I think they're fighting fires every day. And it really depends on how sophisticated the attackers are at any given time. All right. Hannah, what are other companies doing to gain the upper hand in this fight? So the banks have have always been at the cutting edge of cybersecurity. That doesn't mean that they're succeeding, but it means that they've had the resources and money and staff to, to put into trying to experiment with new techniques. Some other companies, especially, you know, for example, in industries that have recently been attacked, like in the entertainment industry after Sony, um, are also looking to new techniques. I think in general, people are frustrated with the old approach of putting up the equivalent of walls and moats to stop hackers getting in because it just isn't working. And so what they're looking to do is take what they call a more active defense approach. Now, active defense can stretch from these tricks and traps inside your systems, such as creating fake servers for hackers to get lost in and fake data to to distract and confuse attackers and make it less economically worthwhile to attack, to a more controversial and often illegal hacking back where a company would, you know, reach into attackers' servers and try and delete the data that they've stolen or even um, do something more destructive to the tools they're using. The legal situation surrounding so-called active events is very 
grey and many are looking for more clarification and some even want the right to self-defence. Active defence really has become the buzzword here, hasn't it? And you sometimes wonder when you hear it whether it's it's because uh, the defenders want to make it look like they're not just being passive, they've actually got something up their sleeve to fight back with. But as you say, it's a, you know they're, they're very restricted in what they can do. Cara, what are you seeing? Are you seeing you know, much active uh, fight back from the banks you've been covering? It's interesting. I think the banks are also cautious because they are regulated and they are often, you know, dealing with law enforcement for a variety of different areas of malfeasance over the past few years. So I, I get a sense from them and a number of their security people are former law enforcement officials. So they're much more conservative on hacking back But I think that there is a little bit of a frustration growing to see what is the role of the federal government in protecting them and responding, especially if it's believed to be a state actor or someone acting on behalf of a nation. But at least they're getting smarter in in terms of being more active. They're identifying things quicker. They're sharing more information. And so active is certainly a fair word to use, is it? Certainly. Yeah, I think they're just not going to be, you know, actually hacking into another system. But they're doing what they can to outsmart or at least stay a little bit ahead of the hackers. Okay. Hannah, one of the one of the main responses to cyber attacks has been to encrypt far more data so that even if it's stolen, it actually doesn't have any value to the attackers. Is this actually a, a silver bullet in the in the cyber wars? I think the short answer to that is is no, and no for two reasons. I mean, encryption will protect people's data. And, you know, since the Snowden revelations, we've seen huge swathes of users being covered more by encryption, you know, from Gmail to Apple's iMessage and Facebook's WhatsApp. But it's not a silver bullet technologically because the data has to be unencrypted when it's being processed. So it's it's not encrypted when it's on the device or when anyone's doing anything with it. And in terms of, you know, politically, We've seen a lot more of this secure end-to-end encryption being rolled out, but the companies have run into conflict with governments who say that they want access not for mass surveillance, you know, as we saw in the Snowden revelations, but for legitimate legal requests when they're on the trail of a terrorist or a child pornographer. And that tension really hasn't sorted itself out and could stall progress there. So, So government, if anything, is part of the problem here? Yes. Right. Well, it sounds like it's way too early to declare victory in cyberspace, but have we at least got to a point where the tide is turning? Is there reason for more optimism? Uh, Cara, what do you think? I think the recent OPM hack, uh, the hack of the government's Office of Personnel Management, uh, was a big wake-up call, mostly because it hits people really, you know, the the decision makers, Congress members, their information is included in that. Anyone who's worked for the government, and that includes the people that are currently there and those that have left and are now in the private sector. So that was that really seemed to shake up people. And, you know, even some I spoke with have said they're shocked that there's not more of an outcry. But when you see Sony happen, J.P. Morgan happen, and not just OPM, but other government agencies, it, it sounds like it's getting to people, people are finally getting it and kind of understanding what's at stake. I think, though, there's a long way to go on solving it. And I don't think you'll ever really solve it because there's always going to be a smart, cutting edge hacker out there. Hannah, any any calls for optimism in the wider corporate sector? Um, you know, there are there are companies doing interesting things. There's a lot of funding flooding into these companies to try and find a, a solution, which I guess is a cause for optimism. 
But I would say there's a lot of, you know, reason to, to, to hack. There's a lot of financial gain out there for, for cyber criminals, and they are developing new techniques every day. Well, thank you, Hannah and Cara. Uh, you can find the entire cyber insecurity series at ft.com forward slash cyber insecurity. And let us know what you think of the stories or any questions that you have by tweeting at us. I'm at Richard Waters. Hannah, your handle? At Hannah Kushler. And Cara? At Cara Scannell. Thanks for listening. And be sure to check out the series at ft.com forward slash cyber insecurity. This podcast was produced by Amy Keane. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.